Accessing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. So when it comes to you and being a comedian, how did you like discover that that's what you wanted to do and how did that go? And then um, kind of what, what was it that made you end up kind of going on hiatus as well? I guess I just, I never really looked to the future in my life. I always lived um, not, not with any sort of like enlightenment tinge to it, but like I always lived for the moment, you know, just, I, I always just lived when I was a teenager, especially like I just lived to, to go to parties and get, you know, fucked up and, and, <laughs> and make people laugh. Like I, I, I don't know when it was, but I just discovered early on that no matter what situation I was in, I could just make people laugh. And that always seemed to be a good thing to bring people together and diffuse a, maybe diffuse a tense situation or, you know, something like that. And, and I just thought, right. well, that's, that's fun. I like doing that. And it seemed to work out for me. And then I would do that in school, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I would do that. I just did it all the time. I just, it was the, it was the most enjoyable thing for me to do. Um, uh, but like I said, it never seemed like this thing. Like I never, I never thought like I was going to do that as a career. I never really thought about career. I just thought about when, what was going on next weekend. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And so it didn't, it didn't really hit me until after I graduated college, uh, and started working that I was like, well, this sucks. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this really sucks. Like this isn't, where's fun. the spice in my life? Yeah. Cause I was always able to get decent grades and move on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in school, but always just have fun as well. And I didn't really feel that so much when I started working and, and I, and I, you know, so I s slowly started dipping my toe into comedy. But then the other thing was that I also, I had friends that were really funny. So I, I was still very much in this party kind of mode. I remember the first open mic that I went to in New York and I, I, I thought, oh, this, this is weird. It was just a mm -hmm. bunch of comedians in this dark room and, it didn't, it wasn't like a party. It wasn't like fun, it, you know? So I, that, that is what I, so I didn't go back for a while. And mm -hmm. then eventually when I did go back, I, you know, I realized that, uh, this was something that was, that I was good at and I enjoyed it for a while. It was, it was, it was fun. Um, and yeah, there, it just, I got to a point where I think I was about maybe three years in to doing it and I was doing club spots and having a lot of fun and, and doing a lot of, um, good sets all over the city. And, but I just wasn't feeling, I was feeling like I wanted something more. And mm -hmm. I was listening to Chris Ryan's podcast, Tangentially Speaking, and he was always telling these stories about traveling the world and backpacking around the world. And I thought, man, I, that just sounded so exciting to me. At the same time, I was doing a lot of psychedelics. I was listening to a lot of like Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna, and I was reading all kinds of things. And so my worldview was just expanding. 
And when you're doing comedy, especially when you're doing it in New York, it's so competitive that you really have to just do as many sets as possible. So it was my whole life was I would walk dogs during the day for rich people. And mm -hmm. then I would go and do as many sets as I could possibly do in a night. And then I would just do that every night and I'd be out to like four in the morning. So I was like living at night, sleeping, you know, during the day and then going to walk dogs. And I just got to this point where I felt kind of tired of it a little bit. Like even though I was mm -hmm. doing, doing pretty okay, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do new things. I, you know, so I, I bought a one-way ticket to Bangkok, Thailand and just backpacked around Southeast Asia for a while. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, I, I feel like I understand where you're coming from. And that's a similar thing, I think, that happened with uh, Steven. He's still a super funny guy. And he's our pretty much go-to like person on camera when it comes to things we need you know, said or, you know, because as a as a company, sometimes we're shooting commercials for our partner company, Sheath, for example. And um, like uh, he's so good at just being charismatic on camera that he still gets to use that comedy. Um, but essentially, yeah, that competitive nature of all the kind of people, everyone wants to be the star of the show. And, um, you know, people kind of joke about your set. Oh, you bombed, whatever. And it just starts to feel kind oh, of I like, never bombed. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. No, no. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah, like, um, it's, it's just funny how, you know, like good times can kind of turn into oddly stressful times. Um, and then you kind of want to get a little bit of a, a separation from, from, you know, from that and then just kind of rediscover who you are and stuff. So how was, how was Thailand? That's, that's incredible. It was awesome, man. I mean, I think it, a lot of that, what you're talking to, too, there was a point where it, I really started to feel like uh, comedy was becoming more of a job, you know, because like the more mm -hmm. the better you get, the 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 more it becomes work. And I just, um, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I know that work is a part of life, but there's this delusional part of me that's just like, man, let's just avoid work as much as possible, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what in all of its forms. So going to Thailand was that, you know, I just... Right. I bought a one-way ticket there, didn't know anybody, just like booked a hostel for a couple nights in Bangkok, met, immediately met people from the Netherlands and Australia, a lot of Australians actually, uh, <laughs> and drinking a lot, and uh, people from London and just all people from all over. It was so cool to be in this world of, of people young people from all around the world just who had grabbed backpacks and were all on a similar mission to just explore and discover and just live. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I did. I just, I didn't make any plans. I just went with the flow. Like I met people and, you know, people were like, you want to go up to Chiang Mai for, for the week? And okay, cool. Let's go there. And yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to this like hippie town called Pi. You want to come up there and we're going to rent motor scooters and ride them up there. They like, want to do that. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Oh, we're wow. taking a we're taking a boat from northern Thailand to Laos. You down for that? It's a two day boat ride. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so it was just, wow. It was just going with the flow, just living in the moment and meeting people and and uh, and having a lot I of new experiences. That. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, was there much of a language barrier? You know, it's interesting. I wonder. I I've traveled to a lot of countries. I'm like, how do I fucking get around in these countries? <laughs> exactly. You know, you learn you learn the words that you need to know. I think, right? Because just like the action, just like taxi. You know, 
Right. I'm going to this street, you know, like you just say like the minimum stuff. Like. And nonverbal communication is really mm -hmm. important, you know, gesturing things as well. So I think I had a little sheet of things like where's the bathroom or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, food or things like that. But then, you know, I would find myself with some people, some people would know more. So they would be like the leader and figure things out for us. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and, and when you're, yeah, when you're traveling in a group like that, it makes it a little bit easier because everybody has a little skill that they can contribute or knows a little something. Uh, so yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, Definitely. I don't imagine there were very many psychedelics I, over there. I huh? was just about to say, I definitely took a lot of psychedelics over there. I did. That is, that's counterintuitive because you hear a lot of these Asian countries being like super anti-drug, anti-psychedelic. And, uh, you know, I figure, you know, there's probably ways around that, but I just don't know how crazy it is because I haven't been. So how was it? Was it uh, stigmatized there, but you just had fallen into the right group of friends or what happened well yeah you know the government's not too keen on it and you hear mm -hmm. you hear stories like people getting in entrapped by setup jobs to buy weed at a bar and it's really some mafia guy and then he holds you for ransom and you know you hear these crazy stories and you hear about you know you're going to get 40 lashes and death sentence. Mm -hmm. They're going to chop your head off. And I, yep. just, I, I mean, I, just, I mean, stupidly, I guess I just didn't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff, but you know, just like anything, you kind of play it smart and you use your intuition and kind of figure out where, who the people are that know things and who you can trust and who you can't. And I just felt into that and in, in the right moments would find myself, in situations where there were a lot of fun drugs around and, and we would, mm -hmm. and we partied and, you know, uh, mushroom shakes were, were big and wow. uh, yeah. never had a mushroom shake. Oh yeah. And it was, I'll never forget this. When I landed in this town, Vang Vien Laos, uh, mm -hmm. it's known as this kind of crazy backpacker party town. So the whole town is kind of serving the kind of backpacker community and it, it was a nice respite from the sort of cultural exploration that I was doing I was trying to find local people and interesting things and then you know just kind of go to this place in Laos where it's just a bunch of backpackers partying and I never forget this one bar I went to they had this menu and it was like MDMA opium uh <laughs> weed um ketamine like they just had incredible yeah just had every mushroom shake so they make you know thai mushrooms and blend them up with like bananas and mangoes into like a smoothie mm, that sounds great yeah so we had some some fun experiences with that and i got some lsd and i actually told a told a story on the uh maps bicycle night after party of, of my uh my lsd experience in northern thailand uh, which was pretty fun Wow, that is so cool. Wow, that's, that's funny. I feel like, you know, like, these places, you know, from an American perspective are said to, you know, be very uh, harsh on, you know, those penalties if it comes to getting caught with psychedelics or cannabis or anything of that nature. And yet they have a more cool place where you can go and they have a menu with all the stuff. I don't even think America has that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to a place like that really here. But 
I guess it's just it's just kind of I think it's like you know I've been to a lot of places around the world where you where I can find these you find these little underground spots you know and mm-hmm. and 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 when everybody's in on it they want to keep it cool they want to preserve it you know so it might not you know even here the, it, there might not be like a mainstream known place but there's definitely underground spots that that are like trying to serve that the, that fun of the community, you know, and I, I quit. It's mm-hmm. almost like being at like a music festival. I mean, that's what it kind of felt sure. like to be in Vang Vien Laos. It was like a music festival. It was like there was no rules right. or anything. Got it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, I have seen that. You know, it's funny how lax like police and security will be at certain music festivals that I go to. People literally have signs that say, I have acid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, like they're not trying to, you know, unless you're causing a scene or being weird, like the cops aren't going to bother you. It's, you know, like, and then there's things in place like the Zendo tents or just any type of, you know, dance safe is another one where people are there to take care of you in case you are having a, a an unexpected powerful trip or just a bad trip in general um yeah which i i like to think that no trip is bad again i haven't really been on one so it's hard to say that maybe but um i've i've certainly had trips that were challenging and asked a lot of me a a lot of participation um from me but never really just bad just like oh no bad it's all bad you know what i mean Mm -hmm. how do you feel about how people interpret trips you know like um have you ever had a bad experience? Or are they mostly good? Yeah, I think it's we get stuck in that good bad uh, dichotomy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's it's I understand why as human beings we want to always paint a simple story about things. There's good, there's bad, there's heroes, there's villains. You know, that's sort of the way that our brains like to interpret and organize a lot of things. But I'm on the same page with you. I think that as an experienced psychedelic user, I see it as all trips are learning experiences, whether it's challenging or not challenging, whether it's beautiful or whether it's a little scary, uh, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I try not to label it as such, but I can see where people who aren't as experienced and they don't really know what they're doing can get scared and can have these bad experiences because they don't sure. really have a container nor the the language to and the and the knowledge of understanding you know oh maybe I shouldn't take a ten strip and go to Times Square you know like right <laughs> that sort of yeah. thing for me there are always these interesting post uh, post signs where you can feel if something kind of uh, dark or weird is is happening and so. For me, I have like these uh, notions to change the environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like within psychedelics, there is an ability on your part to shift the experience. You could shift it through breath work. You could shift it through changing the song. You can shift it through walking outside if you're inside and feeling very closed off or vice versa. Say if you're outside and feeling very like vulnerable, it's like, oh, let's go inside where it's safe, you know? Yeah. Um, you have to have these little like techniques to get around. And then of course there's the, the tried and true. Um, I took a substance. I signed up for this. This is what I wanted. I'm not going crazy. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to come down, you know, like, you have to be able to talk yourself, um, you know, into a calm state as well. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. So when it comes to you, wh- which is your favorite? Do you have a favorite like psychedelic or, 
do you just kind of appreciate all of them on a similar level? Yeah, I appreciate all of them on a similar level. And I still haven't done every psychedelic known to man. So, but I, I still, I have, um, I think there's certain psychedelics I like, I like for certain situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, that's, that's the sort of, that's the method set and setting, like you were just explaining, you know, and energy, right? Isn't it so, it's, it's so, uh, important to be tuned into the right energy and the right scene and the right group of people like energy really becomes a real thing when you're on psychedelics like we could talk about it in this Mm -hmm. flowery way outside of the psychedelic space but when you're with a group of people on lsd and and you're having a great time but then some drunk guy like stumbles into your group you could feel that energy shift of like oh this isn't something that we really want right here this is kind of polluting the water a little bit so i think that that's that's good. I always feel really safe in a lot. I've I've been I guess I've been lucky to go to a lot of really good music festivals where the environment is really safe and friendly. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like to. I love I love LSD is one of my favorite things to do at a music festival or a, a sunny day in the park or on a hike, something like that. So I. I really like that a lot for those kinds of situations. And I mean, sometimes at music festivals, I do a cocktail of things because it's just <laughs> because I feel safe. I feel really safe and I feel like really, okay, I'll do some LSD and MDMA, maybe a little ketamine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I also like to use things therapeutically as well. So MDMA, ketamine, and psilocybin, I love to use uh, therapeutically and like Right. Big doses with a blindfold, sitting in a bed, that sort of thing, going in, journeying on my own. Microdosing is also something that I'll dabble with here and there. I love, I I guess probably my favorite might be ayahuasca, which is kind of weird to say as being my favorite, but I really love, you know, I spent a good deal of time in the Peruvian Amazon at an ayahuasca center working there. And, um, and, uh, I really, really, really love the, that that container of the ceremony mm-hmm. and the ikaros and the healers and the the shipibo people I was with and and the intention and that whole aspect of it and then the experience of ayahuasca and the purging like there's nothing like a good purge and feeling mm-hmm. cleansed afterwards uh, so I might be a little sick maybe to say that or against the grain but I I really have a lot of respect for the indigenous ceremonial aspect of ayahuasca it's i find that very appealing oh i believe it i haven't been um lucky enough to go down yet i've actually been invited once or twice but i just haven't been in a space where i felt i could kind of unplug from everything i'm doing up in the up here with my business in the states and stuff um to go have a full ayahuasca you know week-long um journey but I do know a lot about the other, um, you know, chemicals that you are mentioning and have experienced them myself and had very powerful life-changing realizations um, that really set me on my path and helped me kind of declutter or defrag, yeah. you know, the mind and like all the kind of bullshit that just swirls around in our brains every day that and it builds up over time. It's like you can get cleansed. And and unless you kind of have a a very deep spiritual practice every day um, and you're meditating constantly, constantly clearing that cash, like, you know, just a few weeks or months can go by and you're almost back in a similar place. 
So you have to have, you know, a practice and you have to learn integration um, to be able to make the most of these experiences. But what they have to offer is so beautiful. It is so helpful and beautiful and caring. Um, it, it shows you the, the God within every other person and, and yourself. And that's what like namaste means. Is I recognize, you know, the, the light within you or the God within you or whatever it is like that, that peaceful, uh, potential enlightened being that exists within all of us. Uh, I've always gotten very powerful messages from these experiences about, you know, community, respect, you know, integrity, ethics, you know, like doing things the right way, um, uh, simplification of your life, minimalization of your life. You know, you've heard of the whole tiny home movement or people who, you know, like live a more simple life than, you know, just trying to accumulate as much possessions as possible. Because, you know, as we know, those things don't fulfill you, that you get like a momentary surge of happiness and adrenaline if you get a new car or a new house or whatever it is but then you know a few weeks later you feel exactly the same and you're trying to fill that hole with another thing and then you're just accumulating shit over and over and over until you realize it doesn't work you, you know people need to snap out of it and realize it doesn't work the modern american model doesn't work how what does work are psychedelics they show you that's why i think maps is being so successful right now at getting mdma and ketamine um, legalized for people who need it. And a lot of people need it. <laughs> like we're in the most uh, disillusioned society um, state right now that I've ever experienced. I haven't been around for super long or anything, <laughs> but I mean, I can tell it's a different world these days. And I could tell people are overthinking and you know what I mean? It's like people aren't in person anymore. They're all online and especially during this quarantine. Yeah. So it's easy to get like your wires crossed when people are online and Maybe, you know, you're misinterpreting what they're what they're doing or how they're interacting versus like, oh, the last time I saw him, we had a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a different world. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you brought up a good point about the, the you know, the defragging and the clearing the cash. Like, it is so useful. Maybe, I mean, I, maybe more now than ever before because there's so much sensory input data coming in like our environments are so stimulating more so than ever before mm -hmm. and like you said though i haven't been around for that long either so but i'm imagining that that it it really is a lot to take on as a human being nowadays to be so plugged in to have so much even the things that we don't consciously acknowledge but just scrolling you know just seeing the amount of things that the amount of headlines or tweets or Instagram images or pictures that I see on a daily basis that I don't necessarily need to see, but my brain is recognizing them. I think it's, it's important to have that reset, to have that clearing. And that does bring you down to more of a calmer level where you realize that for myself, I realize that really the things that really fill me up and nourish my soul and give me the most satisfaction are uh, the moments that I share with people in mm -hmm. in connection and, and community. I mean, even these virtual gatherings that we're doing with Isolation Tank, I feel 
con- really connected there. I feel really yeah. like time time doesn't exist. I'm not like looking at the clock. I'm just like, wow, this is really engaging. I'm here with a group of people. And I think that that's, that is something that has been shown to impact uh, human health and happiness and wellness and longevity is mm-hmm. a strong sense of, of meaning and purpose within community. 100%. Yeah. And I, I get that vibe too. And I think that's why, um, you know, through, through my journeys, I have found the importance of that. And I really like to create and, and help promote events that do that. It's funny because earlier, you know, about like the containers that you kept kind of going uh, in on are music festivals. Music festivals are these places where people can collectively enter altered states and it be okay, even by like, you know, the police's point of view, like for the most part, you know, like as long as you're not acting the fool, you know, <laughs> right? Um, they usually just sit by and let people trip out and let people smoke weed and, you know, like they're just kind of being safe. And I think, the, you know, they give those jobs to particularly maybe open police officers and give the more like rigorous police officers a little more of a daunting task, you know, like busting like some big ass massive like meth lab or whatever it is. But I'm just saying like um, music festivals and, and one reason I love music is it's like those places are the modern day campfire where the shamans dance around yes. and and have that ecstatic experience and bring community together and for a week straight after everyone is lit like oh that last week was so great and we all connected and felt our higher selves you know and you can kind of get a big blast of dream vision too as in the dream of of life that you want for yourself and where do you want to go where you want to take that experience how you can cultivate that experience for others and stuff and and really like keeping the the respect for these medicines in mind of course um no one's you know wanting to uh, abuse them and use them in a, in a way that's going to cause harm which certainly you can do and people should avoid it as all at all costs by researching set and setting and also dosage right you know and also like trusting your source you know all these things are very important people just because psychedelics are cool doesn't mean take a lot of them from people you don't know. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and, t- so. and test them if you can. If you get some right. uh, gear from DanceSafe and other organizations that, you know, yeah, you can test them and find out what you got. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, community, man, it's 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 the best. It's super important. And I do think Isolation Tank is such a great community platform, especially because, you know, we do have these text chats going. And earlier when I was talking about, you know, the Internet, uh, a lot of it is is those uh, those um, misinterpretations of text where, you know, like people aren't feeling, you know, the tone you're saying stuff in and this and that. And I just think people are lost in it, you know, just to be honest, because when I go, it's funny, I can't I can't even go out to restaurants anymore because of the quarantine. But um, I was going to say when you're at a restaurant, you know, and especially after a psychedelic experience, you're still kind of charged up, fired up from that you're at a higher level of kind of observation of the animal, the, the animal oh that is God, yeah. the human. Right. Yeah. And they're all just plugged into their phone, like yeah. right next to each other. It could be four people all looking at the phone and it's kind of tearing us apart. But it, it, at the same time, it equally connects us. It's so freaking weird. It's paradoxical. Yeah. It's, I, hard, <laughs> it's hard to know where it's going. I was just thinking of a time I, I ate mushrooms and went to a sushi restaurant and <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how like how 
vile it was to me. Like how I was just like, oh my God, what the fuck are we doing? There's we're just chopping up fish. Like, what is this? Like it, it just mm-hmm. you know, I oftentimes have that where I just become so hyper aware of the sentientness, if that's a word, of yeah. all all of life. And being in a restaurant, it, it is just this humorous human gathering and everybody's a little isolated at their little tables and they're ordering their things and they bring us this plate and there's this fucking dead animal on it or fish or something and you're like what the fuck is that like what are we doing you just want to stand up and go what are we doing what is this (laughs) yeah and it's funny because when you enter that state you you can actually look back and I'm, i'm not necessarily a christian but i was a raised a christian and I feel like that is the state that Jesus was in when he went and flipped the tables and was like letting all the animals out of the cages. You know what I'm saying? Have yeah. you heard of that scene? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Actually, this morning I just watched a, a good uh, piece by Bill Maher about uh, wet markets and the virus and, you know, in America, how we factory farm and zoos and he tied it into like Joe Exotic and this whole thing. And you know, it really is. It really is crazy when when we think when we think about this sort of um, what we sort of allow and tolerate. To, I, I try right. my I try my best to really stay away from that kind of thing. But the fact that it still goes on, I think it's really this this idea of separation, and mm-hmm. and and the thing that the psychedelic experience can do for you is bring you into a world of connection and interdependency and interbeing as, as Charles Eisenstein uses that word from, I believe, Thich Nhat Hanh, which is like this, this really deeply connected state. Because when we, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the restaurant, we don't actually see the truth of what we're engaging in. Mm-hmm. But when you have a psychedelic experience, you, you, you see through the veil, you right. see through the illusion, you see through the, uh, the illusion of of our uh, comfort, you know, that we want to yeah. participate in. We want to be comfortable. We want to be comfortably ignorant, really. You know, we have these the packages with the happy cow on it and all this stuff. And we don't want to think about all the terrible things that go into putting it there. But right. um, yeah, it's this, it's sort of this. I tweeted, I sure I, I wrote something about this recently about how. Our, our reality right now is is like a big magic trick. And we're like the audience that we like to be in on it. We like to be fooled. We like to be tricked. We like to say, wow, that's a, what an illusion. You know, we don't want to, and then we would go, how do they do that? How do they, how do they, mm-hmm. how do they trick us like that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a magic trick. You know, when someone does a card trick and you're amazed and instantly everyone wants to know, how did you do it? Yeah. You know? I actually used to practice uh, a little bit of magic card tricks and levitation and that type of stuff as a kid. Just I was super enamored with those magician type people, you know, Chris Angel and, you know, the like, you know, he, he kind of went down a funny, a funny path with uh, where he ended up. But um, yeah, I'm still a fan, you know, whatever. It's cool. Um, but yeah, I was into magic as a kid. So I totally get that. And I know what you're saying. Like, People want to know how it's done. They want to be uh, just like they want a spectacle, you know, and if as long as the entertainment industry can push a spectacle, people are willing to eat it up and just kind of like keep in their little comfort bubble. Um, It's interesting, though, because those spectacles can offer 
um, resolution or, you know, some type of information about how to get around it if it's powerful art. Yeah, you know, totally. It's like a good a good album with real philosophical ideas being explored in the lyrics or the sonics uh, or even like a music video or a really well done film speaks on social commentary. You know, for example, like the Joker one was a big big one recently where people would look at the kind of uh, the fucked up nature of of the metropolis and how people treat each other and. You know, the, the government that does that underserve certain people. Like, I know that was like a social commentary piece uh, as effective as it was as a spectacle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you happened to see that film? Yeah, yet? I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was super powerful. Yeah, I, lo- I loved it. Uh, I think that it was just a great commentary on what happens when. Yeah, I mean, it was really like about class division and and, and right. that sort of thing. I mean, what happens when you don't take care of people who need taken care of in your society? Well, they explode, mm-hmm. you know, and they go crazy. And you know, we were talking last night about comedy and, and how comedy is important. And one of my favorite uh, talks by Alan Watts, I think in his like uh, audio book called Out of Your Mind, he talks, which is a great title. Uh, he talks about the role of of this sort of the outsider, the commentator, the joker, the trickster, the shaman, the man on the hill that is a part of the society but also detached from it because you sort of need that. You need a critique and you need a commentary. Otherwise, your, your, your society goes insane. And I think mm-hmm. that, that the Joker movie and what we are experiencing in our world now is this – very like tight, rigid, uh, forceful version of of reality, and they even see this with with like the president, right? Like he's not so good at laughing at himself or taking criticism or people making fun of him. He's and and uh, so I don't know how I'm I'm going off on this on what you said about Joker, but I think it plays into it in some way of because the the Joker in that movie, even though he is this kind of violent maniac, he puts on the clown makeup because he's like, this is a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. Like this is a joke that that this whole that this world that we live in is this way. and it's this sort of uh, chaotic trickster joker figure, almost like um yeah. like a Loki or something, you know that, that, yep. oh, that yeah. terrorizes people and considers it comedy, right. yep. 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 And, you know, the, the direction behind that film and obviously they were very conscious of of the statements that they were making about society and um, those people who are underserved. It's it's very interesting and definitely needs to be heard. And, and, it, and it's a good way to, to inject, you know, the, the masses with some philosophy, you know, through that spectacle. And I think that that is like the kind of the job of the artists, you know, and the artist takes so many forms. I mean, even podcasting is is an art, you know, Joe Rogan arguably is an artist uh, br- bringing all of his ideas out and bringing them to the masses in a way that's unfiltered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I realized where I was trying to go with that was about this idea in shamanic societies and I guess in, in, in indigenous societies where they honored and respected the people who either could not participate or were unwilling to participate. And there's certain kinds of people, and these people are typically like artists, poets, but also in our world, the the people that we classify as having mental illness 
aren't nece necessarily seen as that in a more indigenous society that reveres and respects people in a sh in a it, as becoming like the birth of a shaman, like having a schizophrenic break. In, you know, and I'm getting this from from Joseph Campbell. You know, he talks mm -hmm. about these schizophrenic breaks in, in in indigenous cultures are seen as a call to shamanize. It's a, 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 a the the person going through this kind of difficult ordeal. If they're nurtured and respected by the society, that they could be a great value of the society. And kind of what I you know what I was saying about Watts as like this person as the outsider. Like you kind of need that the person that doesn't want to participate, the person that's the artist that wants to comment, that shows the rest of the people like, hey, don't take this too seriously. It's just a game. It's just a show. It's just a play. You, you know, mm -hmm. and so he says that basically if we don't have that person, it's an integral part of having a healthy society. If you don't have that, you have an insane world. So I really think that like w if we were smart, we would learn that the people who – uh, really can be very helpful in making the world a better place are the musicians, the poets, the artists, and the people that we consider quote unquote mad who would be more of a shaman type figure in our world because we don't really have that in, in America. Right. Right. We're starting to, I think. Yeah. And in and in low, you know, and in the the underground culture, there are certainly those type of people. But I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, that is so interesting. So it's so cool because, you know, it's it's funny when people are able to navigate psychedelic space reasonably well. Um, it sounds like, you know, based on this conversation that we both have been there several times and we're both okay in those states and we're able to see our way through them, right? Um, is that the call of a shaman? Is that just us getting a good healing? Like, it's it's easy to kind of think like, oh, I'm one of those people that uh, have this ability to navigate these spaces. I wonder, you know, is that something everyone can do? Is that a few people? Uh, it's definitely a, a subculture, I understand, but it seems to be growing to the masses with, again, MAPS, you know, bringing um, these two medicines, MDMA and ketamine, to the mainstream. You know, what do you think um, about you know, shamanhood, or is it, can you be in an altered state and not be a shaman? Is a shaman just person, a person that lives in that state? Like, what is that? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, we find ourselves in a, in a really interesting place right now, because you have people who are operating in more of the mainstream, like, uh, like maps, and other organizations that are going about the rigorous, kind of scientific and therapeutic model. You have psychotherapists who maybe aren't as experienced in those realms, and some of them maybe not even at all, but they sort of understand the, the protocol uh, from uh, you know a specific kind of way. So you, in a way, they're not necessarily shamans, but more like guides, facilitators, mm -hmm. something like that. I think, um, I think my opinion of a shaman is somebody who is is uh, not necessarily makes the choice to be that thing, but has no choice but to be that thing. Um, now I don't know; I could be wrong about that, but I I feel that uh, I'm very weary of people who who call themselves that. I'm very weary of 
And I think we touched on this last night too, about how in the spiritual consciousness community, this sort of like, you know, I, I'm a shaman. Like I had an ayahuasca experience and now I'm a shaman and I'm going to guide you and just pay $1,200 to come to my retreat. And, you know, some, some people like that, you know, it's, it's interesting. You really have to kind of tune in and, and see what, what's really true. I, I'm very weary of mm -hmm. people that, that, um, you know, because every, everything sort of gets augmented and mutated by the structures in which we find ourselves living in. So in this structure right. of capitalism, you have to play by a certain kind of rule in order to sustain yourself and your practice and those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah. I, I, That's interesting. Well, what do you think about the, the role of a shaman being a temporary role? For example, um, you know, there are people that are known as shamans and like for years and years, that's their profession almost. That's that's who they are. And those are who we think of as like ayahuasqueros and um, people in South America who have been using this medicine since a kid and have super integrated in, into their being. Um, but then sometimes you might just end up in, in, in the right house with the right people and a guy who's super traversed in uh, the realms invites you to uh, participate you go in and they're kind of the guide and the central figure of delivering it to you and so on and so forth to you having a powerful experience on the receiving end you might in those moments and in that context think of this guy as a shaman he's like he right like a temporary shaman it was like he was the shaman for the journey yeah could that be a thing is there like a shaman for the circle and then outside of that circle, he's not a shaman anymore, right? It's like versus the idea that if you're a shaman, you're a shaman like 24-7, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I would, I guess, yeah, I, you know, I guess it, it's it's hard to put labels on. I think it's tricky to, when we start putting labels on things, but I think that anybody that really holds a good space with the right intentions, with pure intentions and is loving, caring, compassionate, and, and kind of knows how to navigate can be a great mm -hmm guide and i think i've guide. i've yeah i view i think i view shaman more as somebody who's really been through the ringer you know mm -hmm. someone that's really went through a, a a a big challenging ordeal you know in the ayahuasca tradition you know really dieted all kinds of different plant medicines and worked a ton with ayahuasca and 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 has their craft really down you know really mm -hmm. um almost like the equivalent of what we would consider, you know, you wouldn't necessarily let me operate on you with a scalpel, you know, one night <laughs> because I saw a YouTube video. I mean, but if, sure. but if, but if you really needed it and there was no one else around and I really tried my best to help you, that mm -hmm. counts in some way for something. Yeah, you could have acted as the doctor versus being the doctor. Yeah. Like if, if you needed it and I was there and I had this intention of helping and serving, but I really view it more as the equivalent of somebody that you know goes to goes to college to learn you know microbiology or whatever, and they're getting their PhD and they're in rigorous studies and testing and they're getting their yep. hands dirty and they're experiencing the whole process and they're interning I love and, that. you know so that's that's sort of what I would label as a shaman. Yeah, incredible. Oh, that was such a good explanation. I feel like that little snippet could just be like, you know. What is a shaman? Is it the dude that gives you DMT that one night? Is it a guy that 
lives in that world. You know what I mean? Because yeah, so so Campbell says that the shaman is the the one who can walk between worlds. Wow, he's on the precipice of being a madman and also the like a wise man. He's the 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 quote is like the madman and the mystics both swim in the same waters, except the madman drowns and the mystic comes back with something of value to offer to the community. It's someone that can handle that hero's journey of the death and rebirth of going to the underworld and retrieving the gold and coming back to enrich the society and and to heal and then doing it mm -hmm. again and again and again. You know, someone that can go to heaven and hell and handle it, you know, so to speak. Yep. That's amazing. Um, when you've been around people that are the shamans in South American ceremonies, um, is that what you would call it? A South American ceremony? Like, what would you call it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was at uh, an ayahuasca center called the Temple of the Way of Light, and uh, they mm -hmm. have uh, Shipibo healers there, ayahuasqueros. Um, so they, I mm -hmm. guess they don't really refer to themselves as shamans. I think they, you know, there's, there's tabaqueros, there's ayahuasqueros, maestros, maestras. I think that that's, that's the title that they prefer, that they, that we that's use. That's interesting. Yeah. So it might be more of a Western thing that we want to even go down there and call them a thing at all. Right. Yeah. But we call them like a maestro or maestra, maestra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So a shaman, is that more of like a mythical figure of someone who's played this role versus even people that are you know, like maybe doing it today? I think the word shaman comes from Siberia. Uh, okay. Yeah, if, I, if, I, if I'm correct about that. But, but yeah, traditional role of, of a shaman would, would be the one, I guess, that would go to, the, go to that other realm and see or experience something and then bring it back in order to heal uh, you. And... So mm -hmm. with ayahuasca, I remember hearing that it wasn't the true, a lot of the practice actually wasn't about giving the people ayahuasca, but the shaman would drink the ayahuasca and sit in front of you and see your sort of energetic other realm self and work on that and work on you. And mm -hmm. through the, the song, the Icaros, which is like their, their energetic scalpel, uh, going in there and kind of excavating and removing the the things that are blocking and and healing, and then it changed to where we ingest the the medicine now and and they do as well and we're both in that kind of place. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's shamans of of all different kinds, I guess too. I mean, I don't know, you know, in the Greek tradition, would they have like the the Oracle of Delphi and you know, it's just these these people, I guess that have the ability to see into that other realm into that other into other worlds and have visions and have dreams and have experiences that that they can then take back to uh to help and to heal and to inform uh the people of uh sort of what they're you know the bridge i guess mm -hmm. the bridge between worlds yeah interesting that's so cool so in your experience down um, in the South America, what are these maestros and ayahuasqueros like? Like maybe if you got any sense of their routine, you know, or any sense of how they go about carrying themselves or their day, like how would you describe those people? Oh, man, all of the ones that I interacted with, they just their eyes just glow. They just they're mm -hmm. just they just light up. They have such a light 
presence about them. And um, not to say that they're these like perfect angelic godlike beings, but they just have a way about them that really accepts all of life, that accepts all of the horror and all of the terror and all of the joy and all of the bliss. And I feel like really they, they'd really embody this like totality of a, of a real human being so much so that they laugh a lot. You know, they mm -hmm. hang out, they relax, they cook food, they, they laugh a lot. <laughs> they really laugh. They, <laughs> they really enjoy, um, they really enjoy like life, you know, they're just like the full, the fullness of life. And, uh, so yeah, they're, uh, they, I just see them as, um, I mean, they're, they're human beings just like us, but they, uh, they're, yeah, they're, 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 um, special, I guess in, in a way, yeah. you know, it reminds me of, um, these teachers that I had at one point, um, when I went to a Kundalini yoga retreat, um, there are these older guys there, Matab and Siri, and they kind of remind me of what you're saying, you know, like I know they weren't doing ayahuasca. Um, I'm sure they have experienced psychedelics in the past, <clears throat> but um, in fact, I did a podcast with Matab and he did say he used to do, you know, cannabis and, and acid. I'm pretty sure he said that. Um, but it's just, yeah, this lightness of being this kind of like floaty, like it's like you're floating place to place on a cloud and, and just serving whatever it is that kind of finds you in each of these places. Like we're in this yoga retreat. There are several um, buildings. There's a big meditation hall where the, you know, no shoes are allowed in. There's massive gongs in there. Everyone's on like sheepskins and uh, blankets. And, and it's just like this, this place where you go and you have to kind of get quiet. You have to, okay, like everyone's talking and, Oh, that dude over there is meditating. Oh, she's doing a headstand, you know, and then like the master's just at the top behind the gong waiting for the class to start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's just in meditation, just full bliss. And then, you know, you go eat and uh, they bless the food. Uh, that's a big part of the day is like this massive like meditation blessing on the food where people would rub their hands together and chant um, pretty much like that, like the mantra that tunes you in um, to the, your higher self as, as they see it over the food itself. And then, dude, you eat that food and you feel so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even lie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I know people like bless, it, bless food, like as Christians and all type of things. I, I think there's something to it. I don't know what it is. Oh, totally. But yeah. What's your experience with that? Like putting consciousness into the food and then you feeling like better, like more uh, you know, you got more nutrition out of it. You got more fulfillment out of it. You know, I think everything is, and that's, I think a trait of a, of a healer is that they do everything with intention and, and reverence and respect and, and love, you know, every, everything, there isn't this notion of like, well, this is sacred and this is just whatever, you know, I think everything has a sacredness to it. Everything has an aliveness to it. And yeah, definitely with food. I mean, I think that you could feel like when someone says, Oh, this was cooked with, with love. I remember I had this great meal, um, a little while ago and it was all fresh tomatoes picked from this person's garden. And, you know, they made this amazing couscous thing and it was mm -hmm. just, and like this fresh cheese and, 
you know, the freshness combined with like, it was at first their intention to have it be fresh and then their, their patience in letting it like grow and then picking it and, and then making it with, with love for the people that they're serving it to. And then when you know that and you can kind of feel that almost energetic resonance when that plate is in front of you. And so it almost commands you in a certain kind of way to say like, Hey, pay attention. This is some really good loving stuff. Right. And then you eat it with that knowledge in sort of a, um, almost like a meditation, uh, and, and really experiencing every morsel of it. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it really is a thing. I mean, I, I forget to do that. You know, I, I don't do that all the time that I eat. You know, sometimes I'm yeah, shoving food in my mouth because I have to be Same. somewhere. But when right. you can do that, it's great. There's nothing better. There's mm -hmm. when you can slow down and, and approach things with presence, love and attention, it really does increase the satisfaction and well being of your life. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that is, again, to, to, to circle back to psychedelics, what they can offer us a glimpse of so that you can start to integrate that without being on psychedelics. You know, like when you get an orange and you're on LSD, you literally look at the thing for like 10 seconds before you even think about eating it. Yeah. And you're just like, bro, like, yeah, what? I'm going to put this thing in me. Whoa. And you finally taste it and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Citrus is so great. I have a friend who's like in my music festival show crew who's just always has like a bag of fruit with them. So like whenever – and he like always pulls it out at the right moment. Like, dude, I got peaches. And we're like, what? Like, <laughs> yes, this is perfect right now. It's so fucking good. Exactly. And it's funny how like those little things start to become your entertainment yeah. versus like got to check the phone for Twitter, you know, or whatever it is. It's like if as you start living a more spiritual life, those little moments, those little moments that almost no one else even sees or has or thinks even exist, like the contemplation of eating your food before you eat it. And as you're eating it, realizing like this deeper level is going on. We just don't pay attention to it. It's always happening. You can choose to pay attention to it. And that, um, that feeling is the, that's what everyone's chasing, you know, mm -hmm. in this sort of entertainment, uh, you know, attention economy and materialistic egoic economy that we, we find ourselves in. That's the feeling. That's the feeling that everyone wants. They want that mm -hmm. feeling of when you and I eat citrus on acid, you know, it's like, right. That's the feeling. And like, drug addicts were just pumped all these messages of like, get this, and you'll be good, get this and you'll be happy. And advertisements mm -hmm. use that model to say, you know, they show a Coke commercial, you know, isn't like some morbidly obese guy sitting on his couch, eating a bag of chips, drinking a Coke and binge watching <laughs> Netflix go like, right. you know, with a sad look on his face, like, Coke commercials are like people like dancing and happy and, you know, cause they're like, this is the feeling that you, that you people want now buy right. a Coke and you'll get that, you know, that's the psychological right. ploy there. And that that's with everything, you know, that's, 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 that's everything. So I, I really deeply believe that it's not like spiritual people are different in some way, but we've 
found we've we've pierced through that illusion and we found the thing we go oh okay yeah this is bullshit and these are the things that really make us happy but i think that that that's that's what people really want they want a sense of belonging and connection and happiness and satisfaction they're just looking they're getting tricked again they're mm -hmm. you know they're buying into the magician's trick without looking behind and saying how do you do that what's going on here Right, right. And with the whole Coke commercial idea, um, instead of get the thing that they're doing, do the thing they're doing. Just dance, you know? Right. <laughs> it's funny. It's like I have such a, a new relationship with, with dance because uh, as a kid, I was very stiff. Uh, the only thing that could really get me moving was playing with my band, Something Fiction. Um, you know, as you kind of get into these altered like trance states with the music and the groove and the bass line hitting just those right, you know, like rhythms. Um, it would get me moving into this place. But other than that, I was very stiff, you know, other than maybe a little head nod here or there. If I'm like what I'm hearing. But but these days, especially after some openings via psychedelics, I can find that rhythm that flows through your body. You know, you hear like the, the expression, let the music move you. Yeah. Like I can totally attest to there's a there's a place you can go where you're not dancing you're just letting go you're just letting it happen and then you you know like visibly to other people it looks like you're trying and doing like this hard thing like oh he's so free blah blah, blah. you're not thinking about being free you're just letting go right <laughs> for me that's such a new thing and i can't recommend it enough you know it's pretty much called a static dance and a lot of people are tuning into this movement now and people are hosting things literally like called exotic <laughs> exotic aesthetic dance uh, workshops where it has a DJ it has like an MC and they just want you to move there's like you know helping people get out of their shell and move and guess what you feel great afterwards that's why it's so funny how I could think back um, onto seeing like on, on on TV and stuff like certain certain uh, scenes in different uh series i would watch where the girls just have to go have a night out mm -hmm. and they would just dance the night away and i had no idea i was i was always like what is that about you know like i don't get why girls do that after a night of dancing you 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 get it you're like oh yeah that's uh, you do feel different after that you just hit the you, know? you, you just hit the nail on the activate head. something yeah i think you just you it does activate something you just hit the nail on the head that's what it is and, and I'm thinking of, like you said, it's about letting go and surrendering and then mm -hmm. about the, the girls that go out and have, you know, girls night out, we're just going to dance. Like that's a, women are really powerful in the sense that they're able to surrender. I think more they're, they, mm -hmm. they're just, it's nat it's more natural to them. I think because and I could be totally wrong about this. So women feel free to criticize me, but I'm going to take a, a leap and say, <laughs> because the um, initiation practice, and, and I'm getting this from Campbell, and, and he talks about the, the rights of initiation and how men don't really have one, but women have one because they have a biological thing that happens to them. I actually, t I talked with uh, Hallie Rose about this, about when women mm -hmm. get their period, it's like, there's this forcing of a surrendering to occur. You know, and maybe it's just, right. it's also just the makeup of, of women, but the, the feminine aspect, the divine feminine aspect of surrendering, allowing, and letting go is, I think, something really, really, really important, integral, and powerful that we can all learn from. 
and that and what's more pure than than the dance you know i mean this whole reality is life is a dance like if we could only yep. learn how to if if the entire world could just learn how to surrender and dance like we we yep. could be in a much better place which is which is why we definitely do need to you know those of us that recognize the power of of the feminine to 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 help usher that new age in where we have more women in positions of of uh, authority that can really show us that way you know i think that that's mm -hmm. an imp really important thing i've had some some wonderful women in my life who you know looked at me and and said hey you know like relax like settle down like you know <laughs> surrender to the moment like tune in you know and it's just been such a gift that uh yep. that i feel the the male sort of egoic way is to tense up and can't show that i'm you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't really know what it is. You know, I don't know if it's a cult. It's, I think it is a, a cultural thing that conditions us mm -hmm. to be that way, much like women experience, you know, the, 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 the pressures of the commodified, commercialized material world to say, you got to be this kind of way if you want to be mm -hmm. uh, an acceptable woman in society. Right. Or wear these things or do your makeup this way or whatever it is. Yeah. And we experience that too, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. And so the letting go and the surrendering, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think that's, that's a major lesson for, for a better world. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kudos to, to all the females out there that are leading the charge with their artistic expression. You know, I think that female artists are absolutely uh, incredible and powerful and they're moving the world in a, in a positive direction. Um, so many of them, I'm such a big fan of so many um, artists that are, that are females and are, are bands led by females because yeah, they just have a way, man. I don't know. It's so hard to put into words, but they have a way of channeling a message to guys and to the world at large that is so much more open and less, full of ego than like the way that men do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so much in awe of a woman who's like fully in her power and being really creative. And, you know, it, it, I get in this like trance of like, wow, you know? And I think that, mm -hmm. um, I remember taking this car ride with, with a woman friend of mine who's a doctor and she was telling me that, She's like, yeah, this was a while ago. She was saying that, um, yeah, a lot of guys I meet, like I don't have success with guys. A lot of guys I meet, they're intimidated by me because I'm a doctor, I'm smart. And and I just remember thinking like, that's a really insecure guy, I think, you know, <laughs> to be in, like, I'm inspired by, by women yep. like that. Like, I'm like, oh, wow, like, wow, like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think that that is such a good way to transmute those weird feelings um, that that you might feel like, uh, you know, intimidation is to to look at it and, and transmute it into admiration and just admit that, you know what I mean? And, and totally. live in that. Yeah, because uh, for people, it drives people away when they don't, you know, that intimidation thing or that like, uh, I mean, yeah, that that idea, uh, it's an insecurity yes. rather than an acceptance state. So learn to accept and, and, and look up to and learn from people and stop thinking, you know, it all, you know what I mean? I mean, totally. for me, that's, that's kind of the message that psychedelics give me, which is why they're so amazing because, you know, it's, I think this is a lot of people. It's not just me, but a lot of times you think, you know, shit pretty good. You think, you know, how things work and how this and that happens. And if you're successful in life, you start to really get kind of set in your ways. 
but that could be a major detriment to not be going with that flow. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. The psychedelic experience is a perfect way of, of doing that. If you're doing it in the right, with the right intention, the right set and setting, like it is this, if you fight it, you know, what you resist persists and it's just going to be terrible. But if you surrender and allow, then you, you know, cause it is this, it's this unavoidable uh, experience that's right in your face. And mm -hmm. it's like, look at this, look at this. And if you don't, then you just create more, more trouble. So, you know, on the larger scale of the world that we find ourselves in, you know, many more people could benefit from that kind of experience. And yeah, one of my favorite books is is Alan Watts's book, uh, The Wisdom of Insecurity. It's just a phenomenal book, um, and mm -hmm. it's you know his, his he's basically talking about like the, the the allowing to be in the realm of the unknown and and not needing to to know and feel all this all this shit. You know what's going on with the quarantine and all this this stuff that's happening in the world. Like we're all we're looking to authority figures and large institutions. These things are a thin veil of an illusion of safety and security. They're not really protecting us. Like we're the only ones that could really protect ourselves by f hurling into the abyss, you know, and going into the surrendering into the realm of the unknown. But we construct our our world out of this fear and uh, and build up all these illusions to 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 pretend again, like the 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 illusion of the magic trick. Like it's all safe. It's all good. We're all protected. But really, you know, what the fuck are we, you know, we're not, we're mm -hmm. no one, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest things that happens to people with letting go or going with the flow or, or learning what the Tao is, you know, mm -hmm. which is the, just the way that it's going to happen is the bodily sensations of fear. Um, People, they have anxiety. Anxiety is a bodily sensation. It's not just like, oh, it's just pestering thought. Like, no, they're at, they're pump, their blood is actually pumping. You know what I mean? It's like sending them into fight or flight uh, places. Um, anxiety, PTSD, uh, stress. You know, stress literally becomes a bodily sensation. It's weighing you down. Like, you feel like this tension in your shoulders and your neck and your head. Um so in order to kind of like be able to see yourself uh, free of all of these things, anxiety, stress, you know, things pulling you down, you have to unlock your body. Mm -hmm. That's why everyone talks about yoga when it comes to psychedelics and consciousness and meditation and, you know, dance as well. Something we were talking about earlier, moving your body, moving the energy through your body. Because we just literally sit all day, especially if we're sedentary, you know, especially if we're quarantined even you know what i mean like we're literally just like sitting there when this thing is an animal it's a tiger it's a it's a freaking jaguar we're supposed to be out there using our limbs and flowing and dancing and swimming and doing these things that people just don't do mm -hmm. except for on these rare occasions like yeah once every three months we go swimming or you know like whatever it is it depends on i guess your culture but it, that's how i feel it to be here amongst like the people i know um, yeah. you know, except for when we're, you know, consciously engaging in yoga or go on a three mile run, go on a, as long a run as you can at all, you know, like try getting some cold water on you. Mm -hmm. Why has it always got to be hot water? You know, it's like, let your body shake free, um, every once in a while so that these things don't build up because then 
you don't know why things are happening. You don't know why you feel stressed or you're unfulfilled or this thing is bothering you when it's literally so small and insignificant compared to the things that you have and that you can choose to focus on. Yeah. Um, but your body tells you other things. So it's just like we have to look at what we're putting in our body, how we're treating our body. Are we getting enough rest? Are we running and dancing and playing and being an animal at the same time? You know, it's so important. And, and yoga is a great way to practice it. There's also, um, what's it called? Uh, qigong. Oh, yeah. I love very, qigong, yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. It's like a little dance, yeah. you know, but you feel some shit clearing out of your auric field or this magnetic field around you. Like you start to feel lighter and happier and little things make you giggle instead of being so serious all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that you, you're, you're, you're really nailing it because we tend to think, I think a, a lot of... Um, a lot of people, and, and I would say that it's probably more men than women, live in the space in the like the three, four inches above their eyes. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. and we've constructed this world that represents that. It's very, it's a very technical, logical, rational, heady kind of, you know, material thing. And um, the feeling, feelings, and I think that's what shamans understand as well. You know, when they're like, I, I've had, I had an experience, I've had several experiences, but one that's coming to my mind where I had a, a healer, uh, a maestra, um, literally like rip this energetic black, like blockage out of me. Like I felt her wow. with her powerful, powerful Icaros just getting into my body and getting into my body. And here I am thinking that it's something going on in my mind. But they understand that this, whatever this is, whatever is happening, there's these energetic blockages that that happen in our body where we have, I believe, yeah, it. spots where we have pain or we're stuck or, you know, we're we're hunched over or we're tight or we're tender somewhere, and they see something in there and they, she just worked it and then just ripped it out and I saw it like come mm -hmm. out and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, like the body, the body is so important and the the sense of of feeling into something not necessarily right. thinking about something but feeling into it and feeling into that mm -hmm. spot one of the things that i learned through my therapeutic ketamine sessions with uh, assisted ketamine sessions was mm -hmm. to find the areas in my body that i was experiencing tightness or tense pain and mm -hmm. go into it and identify it and like personify it and color it and talk to it and keep going in and having a dialogue with it in like a two hour session where I would resolve and heal that part and feel a lightness in that space and then a lightness in my mind. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's such, such an important, um, aspect of this yeah. human experience That's energy work yes it's energy work and it's funny is like they're not gonna paint that picture you know like come come do the energy work with ketamine because then it looks a certain way right but honestly like once you end up in that bed and you're having that experience that's what's happening you know like they're not they're gonna market it as hey come take care of your ptsd because as a society everyone has it right you know it's like it's just to varying degrees it seems like to me yeah, yeah. um but it's like uh it is what it is, you know, let other people, you know, they can judge all they want, but you know what you're doing. And yeah, mm -hmm. if the average person 
was able to kind of wake up to, and I, I'm still not fully like aware, but I know the power of healing ourselves and the powers that just human beings can, that we have the, the, like, I mean, you even look at like the placebo effect, you know, right. They categorize it. This thing is the placebo effect. Well, what the fuck is that? Like there are minds are so powerful. The abilities and the powers that we have, um, are right. go far beyond what we're told that we're capable of. We are not these, you know, just sacks of meat that are going to be food for worms in the dirt. You know, you just go to a job mm -hmm. and you punch the clock and then you die one day. It's like, we are so much more than that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is so crazy, man. The days that you know, because like, for instance, me and my friend, Steven, uh, well, we would plan a day, a week in advance, to, to have a journey and you wake up that day and before you even do it, you are feeling it. It's like, there's this reverse, this future pull. There's a future pull to it. It's like the trip begins before you even ingest mm. it. I don't know how or why, but you wake up that day and, and shit is different. It's like the day that you know, you're going to wake up at 5 AM and eat three grams of shrooms in the park for the sunrise. Like when you wake up that day, you're already, like you're you're you know you're already there. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And then in fact, you're actually like you're you're, you're getting glimpses as to what's going to happen later, um, before, and then things start clicking back and like making more and more sense. It's such an interesting effect that mushroom has, where um, it allows you to see all these future events as lining up in the perfect sequential order to arriving exactly in this perfect moment to understand this perfect idea. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. It's I, I, I think we talked about this too on an isolation tank recently about time and like retro causality and precognition and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. And I, I've definitely had, I've had similar types of uh, experiences and sometimes in dreams, like where I would get like a little dose of something and then I'd be like, oh shit, I'm doing that right now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I think and that's a good sign. I think, I think it's a good sign to kind of like, you never want to, you know, getting back to kind of the set and setting and, and dose thing, like you, you never want to force it, you know, you, so when you have those moments, like you just described it, what that tells me is that it's really, you're really aligned you know, with, with this kind of, like, this is the time, the time has come, it's now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's, mm -hmm. yeah, that to enjoy in that, in that moment. Oh, hundred percent. And, and it takes preparation to do that. It takes talking to each other, you know, a week in advance. Hey dude, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Instead of this like willy nilly, like we end up at a party that night. Oh, look what they have. Should we do it? You know, <laughs> we we literally, we say, are we going to do this next week? All right, let's clear all the calendar for that morning. Um, so how are we going to prepare? This is of course, pre-quarantine. Uh, we're going to sauna every day up until that day. And we're really going to kick our asses in the sauna. We're going to eat, you know, vegetables and highly nutritional meals up until that day. We're going to drink less alcohol. If, if any alcohol at all, up until that day, you wake up extra early because there is known to be kind of a sacred time in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, you know, you get that kind of quiet, like that quiet hum throughout all of the, 
the neighborhoods and the parks and stuff, the deers are just waking up and it's just super mystical. Oh, yeah. And there's yeah. mist out oh, and, yeah, man. you know, yeah. little dew drops and, you know, the sun's just peeking over the sky's turning purple and all the crazy stuff. And then it's like, you find yourself in that moment and it all made sense. Oh, oh know? Matt, talk mystical to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I recommend it, man, because it's like, it's such a different journey that has such higher highs than even like, as dope a night as you can have like drinking with your bros and being out at the club and all the stuff like you hunker down into this like work state for the experience later and not only is that good for you like it's good for you to cleanse and and do all these things that you're deciding to do to have a higher high later but then it's so much more rewarding when you get to that place than not caring about your body and not caring about the content that you're putting into your brain each day and not taking this forthcoming trip seriously and all of that stuff, dude, it, you end up falling into a healthy lifestyle because you just want to get lit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, we, we all want to go to the highest highs and we all want to experience the, the most blissful joys. And, you know, I think that mm -hmm. there's very few people that I know that are in that state if, if I know anyone who's in that state all the time. And I think it's just because of the nature of this reality that is duality that is. And then we have those moments where we, where we transcend that. I've had moments where I've transcended, you know, the duality, but you can't really mm -hmm. live there because you wouldn't really exist. So, right. Maybe for some, some kinds of uh, special monks and, and practitioners of that sort, but yeah, really, getting to those places and then knowing that you're going to have that ultimate experience, but it's okay to then come back and, and contract, you know, I think that's, that's sort of, um, the point of all this is the expanding and the contracting the, Oh, I got it. And then the forgetting and then the remembering. And, uh, mm -hmm. as long as it's, as long as it's not torturing you, I think that, 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 that's the natural sort of ebb and flow of things is the sort of the sun and then the moon and then the night and the right. day. And, you know, the, the death and the rebirth of of yourself pretty much almost every day right totally yeah i think there is a fine line there you gotta you gotta stay balanced you know you gotta walk the middle path um it's not about you know constantly being lit it's not about being super in the dumps either it's and what i like about psychedelics is they're so informative that they let you know hey don't do me again for a while yeah you know yeah. you know what i mean yeah. they totally do that they're like all right all right, we we sent you some some love. Now you got to respect us. Don't call us back to you need us. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've gotten that message a lot. Yeah, I was when I was down in the jungle. I was working at this place, but the the message that I got, like I was um, I was having a lot of ayahuasca like big ayahuasca experiences, and then one night nothing happened, but I did get this like message of just like, all right, dude, like. You, 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 you've shown up to the class without doing any of the homework. Like you got to do the, you know, that's the integration. That's the part that matters. Right. So you can, you can come for the fireworks show, but you know, that's not what it's all about all the time. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that can end up being a few months, a few years. It, it varies person to person, um, as to like when you will feel called again, but you just have to pay attention and, and make sure that that calling is, a true calling and that you're going to have a true intention with a trip or a journey and not, you know, it's, don't do it like a party. You know what I mean? It's not a party. It's 
it's for your evolution. It's for your spiritual wellness. You know, you got to check in, you got to reset the cash, like we said earlier, and think about what you're thinking about, you know, and it's, it's funny how it takes like a third person perspective to see like, oh, I think about that a lot. And I don't really need to what the heck, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it just helps you clear that so that you can, you know, make progress in your life. And life is like forever getting better. You know, it's, it's hard to say if you'll ever arrive anywhere. I think it's about the journey, you know, not the destination. Mm, yeah. Just, just keep it flowing. You know, we always have to remember what I think is uh, truly important and it's just happiness and community and all the stuff we've been talking about this whole podcast. So. Yeah. I think it's the, the merging of the, the lower self, if you want to call it that and the higher self, the sort of plugged in ordinary state of consciousness self with the enlightened, whatever psychedelic self, you know, it's like the merging of those two things into a balanced state. Um, there's this book I love called finite and infinite games. And James P. Kars, the author talks about how, you know, really like this is an infinite game. And when you're, when you're a psychedelic kind of minded person, you, you can get, you get to tap into that, that, that infiniteness. Um, Mm-hmm. And the point of the infinite game is just to keep the game going. It's just to keep keep going, keep moving, keep doing, and keep living. And then the, there's finite games. Like right now, I guess you would say that this is like a sort of a finite game that we were, we're like, well, we have a podcast. There's like a clear start and there's a clear end. You know, there's a there's mm-hmm. a, a, a sort of a game rule here. And a lot of the things that we do in this ordinary, you know, waking state of consciousness has these limits and and these rules but really the whole thing is infinite you know this energy is infinite the so the point is to to really keep that that moving and keep that going and and the merging of the two the accepting of the two and the balance of of the two i think is the that that middle way that you were talking about awesome awesome so i have one more question i want to dive into so i don't take your whole afternoon up but as far as being a creator you're a creator. You create these episodes. You know, you curate the people you want on and you decide, you know, in the moment on these podcasts, which topics to explore. Um, what does that do for you? Like putting stuff out, how does it make you feel? Um, and, and yeah, just kind of how does it make you feel? Well, I think the, the feeling, the best feeling that I get is a feeling feeling from a listener who will message me and say, Hey, I tuned in your podcast. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I got this from it or that from it. And, you know, thank you for, for sharing these things. I, I feel less alone. I, I feel like maybe I was crazy and I didn't have any outlet or anyone to talk to. Like I really, I'm really, I really feel good when I can um, connect with other people and who pick up on the show and get some real deep value out of it. I think that's the the, the thing that keeps me going is that um, knowing that like I really, really love to explore and have conver- conversations and think about big ideas and stuff. And, and also I do a lot of shows where I do like solo casts and I'll get real personal and, and vulnerable about stuff that, you know, when we open this up, I said that sometimes there isn't a separation between what I record and put out and what I say privately. I try and really mm-hmm. expose myself as much as I possibly can. Um, 
I really learned that when the first time I went to go drink ayahuasca and we were all sitting in a group and they were like, why are you guys here? And I was the first one to, to talk and I basically just laid it all out, like all my problems, like everything. And a lot of people came up to me after that and they were like, thanks for doing that. You really opened us up and gave us all permission to go deeper than maybe we normally would have gone. And, and that really, mm -hmm. that meant a lot to me because I didn't realize, like I didn't have that intention at the time of like, oh, I'm going to be the guy that says the truth or whatever. I was just mm -hmm. like, and this is my, my attitude on, on life really is like, what are we all doing? Like, who are we trying to kid and fool? Like, what are we all hiding and protecting from? Like, let's, like, let's get it out there. Let's expose it. Let's, you know, really get raw and real about, about life and our experience of it. And so that, that's the best feeling that I get is when some like college kid or something is like, Hey, I, I got more out of your show than I got in class or, you know, you changed my life or you helped me or something like that. And that just means the world to me because it's that's what I feel great if I can help people in whatever way that I can, you know, maybe I'm not changing the world or whatever, but if I can help, uh, inspire people to be more authentic or be more of themselves or feel less alone, um, that's the best feeling in the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. That was super great. And yeah, it's so cool to meet you recently and I'm glad we could, you know, connect on these and I look forward to future conversations. So where can people, uh, you know, find your podcast and, and what would they search for and, and how do you recommend they, they kind of engage there? Yeah. So wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, all those places. Um, YouTube, uh, although I don't really do too much video, it still goes up on YouTube as an audio file. Um, you can go to my website, mikebrank.com, B-R-A-N-C. Um, and I think that's probably about it. Oh, follow me on you know social media, Mike Brancatelli or Mike Adelic and Mike Adelic underscore podcast on Instagram. And yeah, man, likewise, Matt, uh, I feel like you're, it's just uh, so great to, to find the others and connect and with uh, people like yourself, who's like a kindred spirit and uh, can't wait to have you on, uh, on Mike Adelic and learn more about your story. Awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Much love and have a good rest of your day. You too.